Let's go. You are listening to Dollars and Sensibility, the podcast that explores the numbers, concepts, and behaviors that shape your financial life. Hosts, business partners, and friends, Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are financial advisors in Hollywood, California, that for a combined 35 years have helped thousands of individuals and businesses better their financial futures. Here, they want to open these discussions to you, the listener, share the many things they have learned, and of course, how to be sensible about your dollars. Hey, welcome back to Dollars and Sensibility. I am your host, Andrew Martz, here with my good friend, Mr. Bill McBride. Bill, how are you this evening? I am doing well, Andrew. How are you today? I said evening, but it's not even evening. Like it just, it felt right to say evening. And clearly, this is cool. We're on video right now. You can see the sunlight. <laughs> There's sunlight. It's daylight savings. So it'll be evening in about 20 minutes. Right hey, after really, breakfast. Right after breakfast. That's right. Hey, really excited about uh, this week's episode. So this is something I know that both of us encounter a lot. And I thought it would be good to take the next 25 minutes to talk about, hey, when do I need a financial advisor? And I think a lot of people out there have financial questions, have things that they're thinking about, maybe unsure about, but haven't approached maybe you or I, this could be friends or family we know, or you know, maybe you know a financial advisor that you, you've never talked to. And you know, this idea of like, I don't know if I, if I qualify, I don't think I have enough money. I'm, I'm probably not as big as your typical client. But in today's world, we are hit with so many financial decisions. I mean, literally, our life is just a journey of financial landmines that we are navigating on a day-to-day basis, whether it's student loans, wedding planning, saving for college, buying a home, insurance payments, vacations, saving for retirement, lawsuits, home renovations, elder care, accidents, illnesses, 401ks, layoffs, advanced certifications, taxes, funerals, clothing, food, rent, credit scores, divorce, entertainment, bankruptcy, transportation, furniture, equipment, can't forget Christmas, pet care, disability, alimony, child support, birthdays, bar mitzvahs, business expenses, estate planning, lending money to friends and family, business startups, child care, private school, investing, jewelry collections, eating out, your religious obligations, being generous, donations, trying to make an impact, and knowing what to do there is so much going on in our financial lives. So it would be obvious <laughs> that we would need help. We can't do it alone. We are made for connection with other people and other individuals. And in the financial world, we talk about this a lot. As financial service professionals, our business is not really a numbers business as much as it is really a people business. And I know one of the things that you and I aim for is to try to help people understand not only the numbers and the math, but negotiating and navigating the emotions behind how their money makes them feel. So really what I hope today is to unpack a little bit about what we do on a day-to-day basis, who we are, but also what's out there in our industry. So people can decide and know, hey, when do I need a financial advisor? Should I be seeking some financial advice? And by the way, are, are there steps to take in this journey? I think this is a great topic for, for people, um, anyone listening, right? Because there's so many levels to it, right? Where someone might be getting uh, or, or 
refinancing the mortgage on their on their home, right? But their portfolio is is has been managed by themselves well for years and years, and you know. So it's, do I need a financial advisor? When do I need it? Why do I need one? And what kind? Right. And who's going to be there? Do I need somebody on call to answer all these questions that might pop up five or six questions a year? Or am I just doing this one transaction of refinancing my mortgage? And who do I talk to for that? That's right. right. So so let's talk about that. Who is a financial advisor? Because the reality is that this term is somewhat ambiguous and there's not a tremendous amount of regulation that determines who can and can't say that they're a financial advisor or a financial professional or uh, a financial consultant. There's a lot of different terms out there, which that in and of itself confuses people. So I thought we would just talk and break it down. No matter what title somebody has on their business card, there are really only a couple of different types of financial advisors and financial service professionals. So let's talk about that real quick. Wait, let's differentiate first. Uncle Bob is not the financial advisor, right? So we hear we hear that a lot, right? So so and so, my my you know brother in law or my you know my aunt uh, is really smart. She's done really well. She's a doctor, so I'm going to ask her about right. refinancing my mortgage, right? So right. And and mind you, there may be some value to that, right? So maybe this is maybe this is a person in your life that that has delve deeply into the world of mortgage refinance and understands the numbers of it and maybe can help you with your individual situation. And you don't need to employ the professionals that you're about to talk about. Great point. Yeah. I'm not talking about SOFA CEOs. I'm talking about like professional financial service people. Um, So yes, there are, uh, you know, our friends and family who, by the way, you know, most of them well-intentioned and have their own sets of experience that can give you uh, advice. Uh, I'm talking about professional advice. So in the professional financial service profession, the first type, and this is by the way, as defined by FINRA, uh, you know, a regulatory agency that you and I both report to. So the first type is what we would call a registered representative or a registered financial professional. So a registered representative is somebody who is licensed, who has taken a, you know, a set of certifications, you know, a test or a number of tests to be able to sell investment products. So anything that would be a, from a stock into a bond to a mutual fund to an ETF, you know, go back in our last episode so you can understand the differences between those. But anybody who's registered to sell an investment product, that would be a registered representative. Next type would be an investment advisor representative. So this is somebody who is typically managing assets. These people are paid for their advice, right? So this would be an additional set of certifications, an additional set of licenses that would be be taken. Uh, And why that's important is because you want to know that the people who are helping you have met a certain set of standards, They've met a certain set of standards that our industry says, hey, this is the, the, the level of education, of competency, of training, of ongoing continuing education that's required to be able to act in this manner. Now, somebody may put on their business card, I'm a, I'm a financial consultant or I'm a financial advisor, and they may be one or the other, or they may be both. 
Okay. Right. Uh, what, what's the next type? Uh, so we have registered representatives. We have investment advisors. Uh, number three. Financial planners, which again, with number one and two, could be, could be inclusive of those or could be independent, right? So a financial planner is, is going to take the, the big picture into account, right? And go over budgeting, um, uh, income, basically do a, a personal balance sheet for you. They're going to do what we would call a comprehensive or holistic financial plan. Everything from cash flow to your investments, retirement planning, estate, taxes, education planning, uh, insurance, risk management. So they're going to take a look at the entire picture. They're going to develop comprehensive financial plans. Now, financial planners will come in all different shapes and sizes as well. Some financial planners will develop expertise in just one of these areas. Some will have a certain level of expertise in all of these areas. Many financial planners have what's called a, uh, a CFP, a certified financial planner. They've now taken an additional advanced certification, certain level of training, certain level of uh, education, additional tests, and additional continuing ongoing oversight uh, and continuing education to maintain those credentials. Again, very important as you're kind of navigating who you're going to choose to help. And why does this matter? Because we'll talk about this in, in just a few minutes, but the cost may be different. And more experienced, more advanced degree planners may have a higher level of cost associated with them because they tend to gear towards more complex financial issues. Who else do we have? We have uh, insurance agents on there. Right. So an insurance agent is a financial service professional. They're typically going to deal with insurance products, whether this is medical insurance, life insurance, it could be property and casualty insurance, but they're there to help you with the risk management portion of your financial lives. If anybody owns a car, right, and you live in pretty much any of the 50 states, you're required to have insurance to be able to drive that automobile, to have it legally registered and drive that automobile. So you need to go seek out an insurance professional to help get the best coverage. If you own a home, you have to have homeowners insurance, right? Especially if you have a mortgage, the bank is going to require you to have that that insurance on there. So insurance professionals are going to be expertise, they're going to have a certain level of expertise as it relates to uh, that, that particular area of financial advice. After that, we have uh, accountants. So accountants or certified public accountants, CPAs, are going to help you specifically with your taxes. Um, I I have encountered in in recent years uh, a number of accountants that uh, will incorporate, maybe in their office building or in their network, other financial planners, insurance agents, um, kind of all uh, a one-stop shop in the same building, uh, which is, you know, convenient. Um, but certainly, I think at a, at a basic level, I, I think most people, this is the one that you really, no matter how much you're making or how much you're, you're saving, uh, I think this is the first financial professional that you really want to employ is the accountant. So, you know, be it H&R Block or Jackson Hewitt or, or, or whatever your level of comfortability or need is, uh, the accountant, someone to, a professional to do your taxes, uh, I think could be invaluable for most people. Yeah, I, I would agree that not only is it recommended that this be one of the, the first types of financial service professionals that you get on your team, but the other point is 
not all accountants are made the same. So you alluded that many are what's called a, a CPA or a certified public accountant. Now, uh, there's been studies shown the CPA is for most individuals, the number one most trusted advisor on their, their team. Uh, this is just a fact of the matter. But not all accountants or not all tax preparers are CPAs. There's also what's called an EA, so an enrolled agent. An enrolled agent is someone with an advanced degree in, uh, as it relates to tax return and tax preparation. CPAs will have a greater degree of accounting, payroll. Uh, they're going to dive a little bit deeper into the business side. So if you're a business owner, uh, certainly it could it could benefit you to have a CPA on, on your team, but there's enrolled agents. There are also just tax preparers who have no certification. Oftentimes, you're going to find them at, at some of those entry-level firms that you, you mentioned. They'll come in, they're using tax software to help prepare personal and or business returns, uh, but they do not have the same certifications as a CPA or an EA. And again, as you are heading out and building your financial team, I think it's really important to understand what is it that this person has done to not only advance their own career, but advance their understanding and expertise and the, the level in which they're servicing you. So if it's in the accounting era, arena, are they CPAs? Are they EAs? Do they have a, an accounting degree in college? Do, have they gone on and sought you know, advanced degrees in the area of, of accounting? And do you need someone with that level of expertise, right? right? So again, do you need an accountant or do you need a CPA, right? So what, what, where are you with your, with your need for guidance and assistance in managing your tax returns? Um, and, what, can also and, what get, can you, and what can you afford? And not to confuse matters, but it could, it could get further confusing uh, when you consider that a lot of CPAs will do bookkeeping and business management, right? So, under the guise of, hey, I'm going to get your tax return done every year, um, there, are, there are some CPAs that function as business managers where they're you know, getting your electric and gas bill in every month and paying it uh, out of your checking account and, and running your, your, your entire life, which some people find that well worth the cost. That's right. That's right. Yeah. A lot, a lot of financial professionals and a lot of financial service providers may provide advice and provide service across many of these, these areas. Next one, which is really important, uh, is an attorney or a lawyer. Now, this is you know, one area that, that tends to be pretty siloed, meaning you know, lawyers tend to just practice law in a very specific area. They're going to have to do things like go to law school, pass the, the bar in the state in which they practice, and then they'll have a, uh, an area of law in which they tend to be an expert in. Uh, and that's where they, they tend to practice. That's where they solicit their, their services. You and I often come across estate attorneys, which are helping individuals and families put together a state plan and create estate planning documentations, things like trusts and wills and healthcare directives and all the other estate planning needs that you may need. But there are things like real estate specific attorneys, attorneys that just operate on real estate transactions and real estate holdings for families and small businesses. There may be business attorneys who operate creating you know, LLCs and S-Corps and dividing the stock amongst company and or, you know, creating partnerships, uh, helping with you know, certain transactions, M&A in, in business. 
attorneys are going to really have that level of, of specialization and sophistication that I think is really important. And I think for, for this episode, talking about, you know, when do I need a financial advisor? Uh, the two most common attorneys that we're going to run across are those estate attorneys and maybe a tax attorney, right? Correct. So uh, if you haven't used a CPA in the past and you were, yeah, and you got, you got messed up a little bit, <laughs> the tax attorney is, is maybe someone you want to employ to have on your side. Yeah. And the last that I think is just really important to talk about um, are financial counselors. So financial counselors are a certain type of professional who deal very specifically with the behavioral and emotional side of money, whether that's the counseling within marriages uh, or other relationships, family relationships, um, parents and, and, and children, siblings, to help make financial decisions and navigate the real and the raw emotions that come with that. So now, a lot of times, your financial advisor may act as a, a financial counselor, but I think it's important to know that the vast majority of financial advisors have no formal training or no formal background in family therapy, in psychology. I know that I don't. So there are very specific certifications and credentials, schooling, tests that can be taken, continuing educations, training in that financial counseling arena. And you find this is more and more important, especially if someone encounters some sort of financial trauma throughout their life. They suffer a massive loss. They lose a job or a business. They lose a loved one that really creates not only the emotional loss of that loved one, but also because there was some financial significant events surrounding that as well. Or conversely related to that is the financial windfall, right? Correct. So loss of a loss of a loved one with a uh, an inheritance uh, it can be it can be daunting to uh, have one income level or one lifestyle that's drastically changed in either direction that's right so what are these professionals here to help me with so now we've kind of navigated a little bit about what does the financial professional space look like who are and what is a financial advisor? And what are the different types? So hopefully now you, you've kind of got a little bit of an understanding of what the service industry looks like, the financial service industry looks like. The next is, what do they help me with? And this is really for people who maybe you have never engaged with a financial professional before, or maybe they're, they're currently engaged with one. They say, hey, I feel like I'm not getting what I need. Maybe it's time for me to, to look somewhere else. So different financial professionals are going to help you with things like income and expense planning, right? So budgeting and cash flow. Now there are specific people who are just budgeting counselors. You can find budgeting counselors. There's now technology uh, and apps that'll help you manage some of that. But I think that most financial planning, Bill, I don't know if you would agree with me, starts with income and expense planning. It is. It's the personal balance sheet, right? So I think that's the that's the one thing that going back to the feeling and the behavioral science of it, uh, that's the one thing that makes people feel the that they have a hold on their situation first, right? So you could not be able to navigate the taxes for a, for a little bit, but if you feel like your income isn't meeting your expenses, right? You know we oftentimes kick the can. We, we've all maybe done it in our lives, right? And said, right. hey, I'm making X amount of money, but I'm spending Y and Y is greater than X, right? So how do you reel that in? It's really a crucial step in your emotional health to kind of admit that and then seek help or guidance with it. 
Sure. Yeah. So true. I think the the next thing that that a really good financial advisor should help you with is your goal creation. So you can't get to where you're going if you don't know where you're going. So really being able to identify what is it that I'm trying to accomplish. And goal creation can be a lot of different things. Some people are trying to get out of student debt. Some people are trying to pay off their credit cards. Others may be trying to save for their first home. Some may be trying to bootstrap a business. Other people are maybe thinking about and planning for their retirement. What is that retirement going to look like? Yeah, I think, I think this is more aptly called goal planning, right? Because sure. well, goal creation to me, it's, that, that sounds like a, um, a personal psychologist, you know, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to do, Bill, in your retirement, right? What do you want to do? What do you want to save for? Where do you want to go on vacation? Those kinds of things. And then navigating how to get there, right? That's the, that's the planning that I think a lot of people could use assistance with. In the old days, it was, it was rather simple, right? You wanted to go on vacation every June and starting every July, you put you know, $25 in the, uh, in the credit union account. And then right. you pulled it out in June and that's what you spent for the family vacation. But with more goals and, and more complex lifestyles and a larger market uh, of taxes and investments to navigate, I think, you know, having a good goal planning helper on your side can, can be invaluable. Here's, here's why I said goal creation. I said that pretty specifically. Yeah. More often than not, when I drill down, when I'm sitting across the table from somebody and I say, tell me about how you envision the next five years. Tell me how you envision your retirement. Tell me how you envision your kids going to school. People don't know. So yeah, no, I, too I often, my hope is that when people see and seek financial advice and a financial planner or financial advisor, they have some goals in mind. But most often, really, people need help. And, and let this be a license for anybody out there who says, well, I haven't really thought about this. A good financial advisor is going to help you not only plan for your goals, but maybe if you don't have them, start to create and envision some of those as well. It's funny you touch on that because that, that is one of my favorite parts of the job. Because it, I'm guilty myself, personally. You know, what, what, do, I, what do I want to do in, you know, when I'm retired? What do I want to do in five years, 10 years? You know, we... we we get so caught up in the day to day that we often don't think of these things. And, and it's important to at least maybe put something down on paper, right? right. To, to have, to have a, yeah, a finish line that you can, or check off that box, you know, at, at some point. Other things that are really important that an advisor can help you with, and this is something that often gets overlooked, but just your employee benefits package. So if you're anywhere in your career, whether maybe you're starting out, maybe in 2020 through COVID and quarantines, maybe you change jobs. Maybe you were forced to change jobs and you're now at a new company in a new position and you don't understand your new benefits package. Well, a part of your, your compensation is not just your salary, but it's what else you're getting from your company. And maybe that's healthcare and, and dental and vision. And maybe that's you know a 401k or some sort of retirement savings program. Maybe they're matching. They have different investment options. If there's a pension, employee stock purchase plans available. So there's all these different things that are available as a part of a, an employee benefits package. And it can really be overwhelming. Seek out someone, if you don't understand, 
who can help you decipher what's going on inside of that so you can maximize really what you're getting from your employer. Two things on the employee benefits. Number one, be careful or ask the question to whom you're asking about uh, advice on the employee benefits if they are permitted, right? So my understanding is that there, there are certain financial professionals that are not permitted by regulations to, or by their company's uh, regulations to allow an advisor to give help on employee benefits, okay? Uh, that's number one. The other thing is, do ask a professional that is permitted, meaning I, I oftentimes hear people at the same company uh, associate their employee benefits plan with the person sitting next to them or, you know, Sally from accounting and Joe from sales compare, compare notes and say, Hey, you know what? Uh, I've got this 401k. I've got this, this health plan. How's it working for you? Oh, it's good, Joe. All right. I'll do that. Different, different scenarios obviously require different plans. So right. you know, be careful to, to get an objective opinion uh, and not uh, someone with a different set of life goals. Sure. There's a couple other areas and I want to kind of move through these quickly, but insurance, we talked about this before. So you want to have someone who has a certain level of expertise as it relates to insurance needs, but this is a part of a, a financial plan. You may have a financial planner who recommends a certain piece of insurance and an insurance agent who actually finds the product. So you may find that you lack insurance coverage in one area. This could be identified by a financial planner who does not have the necessary licenses to be able to sell insurance. So an insurance agent would be able to provide you who's much more equipped to, to know the, the products and the specific insurance companies to give you access to the, the actual insurance products that you need. Some, some typical uh, areas that, that an advisor would help you with, things like retirement planning, investment planning. Uh, Bill, these are things that you and I do each and every day helping our clients plan for retirement, plan their investments, their asset allocations, their, their investment strategies based on risk. Sure. And, and I, think, I think those are kind of catch-all to uh, not to pat ourselves on the back or anything, but, but if, you're going to, if you're going to plan for one thing or ask for professional help in, in one area of your, of your life when it comes to money, uh, I think retirement obviously is the most important, right? You, you really don't get a chance to do it twice. Uh, and you want to get it right the first time. And if you're planning for it, whether you're 20 or 60 and you've never done it before, certainly having a plan is of the utmost importance. And you know everything else you can kind of piece in as you go. But I, I, I do think right. that retirement, retirement planning is, is the most important. We may be a little bit biased in that. <laughs> and you ask yeah, a CPA, well, he may say that tax planning is the most important. You ask a, an attorney in estate planning is the most important. But I, I hear what you're saying. And what I, would, what I would say is that this is why it's really important to build a team. It's why it's so important to have a financial team in place. And right. as you're going on a journey seeking professional advice, your pain point is going to be different. You may be looking to buy your first house. And if you're looking to buy your first house, you're looking for things like strategies to save money for a down payment, finding and sourcing the best mortgages or loans to be able to purchase that home. And retirement planning, though important and should be started, may not be the number one priority at that moment. So I think it's all inclusive though, right? Sure. So, so, you know, 
take our egos out of the picture. I, I think the housing conversation, the debt management, education planning, and estate planning, what we're all really talking about is retirement. And I'm not talking about the gold watch and playing bingo retirement, right? right? I'm thinking about, hey, what does the future look like? Doesn't right. mean you're not working. It is kind of a vague term these days with people retiring technically later in life and yep. people working until, uh, you know, working until they drop. Retirement is is that kind of catch-all where everything else, I, I think, fits into that. You want to have a debt management conversation because you don't want to be retirement age and have debt, right? That's right. Or you want to have that, you're buying that first home and you're 30 years old, you still want to look at that from a perspective of what's this going to look like when this 30-year mortgage is over? Yeah, I just, I personally, I have an issue with just the word retirement. I think it's antiquated. I think that it was this idea created somewhere around the, the New Deal in the 30s and 40s to help an aging population leave the workforce to bring in younger populations. The, today, like this idea of working towards retirement at 60 to me is, again, just kind of an outdated philosophy. What I try to help people understand what we all should be striving for and what you're alluding to is financial freedom. We want to be financially free and it takes the vast majority of people to the age of about 60 or 65 to accumulate enough wealth and to pay down enough debt to be able to do that. But the reality is you can do that at any time, all depending on the number one conversation, which is what's your income and what's your expenses. And that really lays the groundwork for how that can go. I'm getting into to other topics, but a good financial advisor is going to help you in these different areas, which you hit the nail on the head. They're all interrelated. These are all related to each other. Debt management and housing and tax planning and retirement investments, they, they, you know, one cannot operate without the other. And your team, whether that's a team of just a few or a team of many, are going to need to understand all of the information and the variables to help you succeed and, and have the greatest probability of success. So let's go over the, uh, the costs, the costs involved. So how, how do, do they charge? Sorry, you were going to say it. I was going <laughs> to say, how do they charge fees? <laughs> so tell us, how do they charge? What's, what's, uh, give, me, give me one way that, that financial professionals charge fees. So there are commission-based. And so commission-based is just like it sounds, right? Uh, per transaction, uh, they would charge a commission, uh, whether it's an insurance agent charging for an insurance policy or it's a stockbroker charging to buy a stock. Uh, there is a commission involved and commission only. Right. So, so some, some people, are, they just work on commission. Others work on their fee only. So instead of charging you to buy or sell uh, a product or an investment per a transaction cost, they're going to charge you fees based on the advice that they're giving you. The fees could be fixed fees. The fees may be a percentage, a very popular model in our industry, at least, is a uh, what's called an AUM. So AUM model, meaning they're going to charge you a percentage of the assets that particular advisor is responsible for. Assets under management, right? Exactly. So, so but they're so but they're charging you fees irrespective of 
what they're they're doing or or advising you to do because what you're really paying for is not the stock or the bond or the mutual fund what you're paying for is the advice it's it's the management of that so commission only i think people would be most familiar with uh, real estate purchases if you've ever yep. bought a house right the the selling agent gets two and a half percent and the buying agent gets two and a half percent and that's right. five percent I think that's one of the more transparent examples. The fee only, you know, we hear on uh, television commercials, right? It's uh, the agent gets 1% of AUM or like you said, assets under management. So so you have a $100,000 account or a $10,000 account. So let's use the $100,000 account because the math is simple and you charge 1%. It costs you $1,000 over the course of that year for the, the management of that account. And then you'll get whatever, you know, whatever menu of services are, are offered by that particular advisor. Then the, the third option is, of course, a mixture of the two. So a hybrid model. So a, a fee-based commission model. And this might be uh, an advisor or a planner that would charge certain accounts, commission on certain accounts, or based upon your needs, may, may charge for just a, a simple financial plan and, and charge no commission on the accounts or some mixture therein that's agreed upon. That's right. It's interesting because in our industry, there is a, uh, a significant push towards the fee-only model. This has become much more popular to consumers. The commission-only uh, style of, of at least financial advising which many people would think of like a stockbroker, would be less popular in today's day and age, though they certainly, still certainly a very uh, used business model. The vast majority of advisors, though, are hybrid advisors. They are a combination of both. I think the latest statistics said something around 72 or 73% of the industry are fee-based, meaning they have fee-only accounts, they have commission accounts, and they use some sort of mixture of both to be able to offer their products and services to their individual clients. I think that's the way the industry has been going for about 15, 20 years now. And I think, I think that's a result of uh, the word commission becoming a pejorative term. Right. right. Because, because what, what you feel uh, as a consumer paying a commission is this person is going to make money off this transaction, right? It doesn't feel like that person has skin in the game. Sure. Right. You know, the, and one of the newer models coming out now is I'm seeing subscription-based models. So this has become very popular in a variety of different businesses. I see my chiropractor on a subscription-based model. I pay a monthly subscription. I can, you know, see her so many times, so many times in a month. This is now translated to financial services and financial advice, where typically people would be a little bit hesitant to see a financial advisor and say, well, I, I don't know if I have enough money. I don't know if I meet the minimums. And some financial advisors have minimums, some do not. But this subscription model now says, hey, for X amount of dollars a month, you can have access to advice, you can have access to our resources, and you're paying a monthly membership fee the same way you would for your gym or for your streaming services or anything else that you're paying for on a monthly basis. This, by the way, is not an all-encompassing list, right? There could be one-off costs for certain types of things. But these would be the, the most popular ways that people are, are charging for their financial services today. Absolutely. Which, which leads us to, where's the value? Is it worth the cost? Right? When, when do I reach the point in my life where 
I need to pay for a service of advice. Right. right? So we're all familiar with uh, paying for products. Um, but when it comes to paying for services, there can be an un- uneasy feeling uh, because it is admitting that there's a level of expertise that you do not have. Right. And so that can be, it can be, it can be uncomfortable, but certainly if you see the, the tangible benefits from that, from good advice, that can be invaluable. Right. Yeah. And uh, so the vast majority of studies that I've seen, and this is not going to be new information to anybody listening or watching this today. So we know that when it comes to things like saving for retirement, it is always better to start earlier. Start in your 20s. Start when you get your first job. Start that Roth IRA, right? Allow the impact of compounding to happen over time. And you get this benefit of one of the greatest financial mechanics, compounding interest, working for you for decades and decades. The problem is that all too often, younger people don't have the education or the resources to be able to actually follow through and execute on this. So here's the reality, is that financial advice actually helps you gain more assets. And when it comes to personal money management, really this journey to financial freedom is being able to accumulate enough assets to sustain a lifestyle. This doesn't mean that you have to, everyone has to be a millionaire or a billionaire. There's no set number. It's different for everybody. But the point is that all of us on some level need resources, financial resources to live. So the Financial Services Roundtable did a study and they found that advised individuals, people who have financial advisors from the ages of 35 to 54, who make less than $100,000 a year, had saved on average 51% more than those in the same age demographic, 35 to 54, who were non-advised, who did not have a financial advisor or someone giving them professional advice. 51% more, ages 35 to 55. And I thought that was so interesting because of a couple of things. One, that is a younger demographic than your typical financial advisor client. Two, making less than $100,000. So often people think that, well, I need to make a lot of money. That's, That's something that rich people have. I think that financial advice and financial education is really for everybody. And there are resources to get access to it. And this, this now proves to us in a very tangible way that you can accumulate more assets by just getting some professional help. So I think earlier is better than, than later. Absolutely. It's, it's always, always better to start now rather than later. But I think there's two aspects to that, to that uh, statistic uh, that I find interesting, right? Number one is, is it good advice? Is that the reason why they save 51% more? Or is it number two, that it just, the actual seeking of advice gives a commitment to the discipline of doing things a better way or doing things more informed or doing, doing financial transactions or saving, uh, doing it with a sense of, of purpose and 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 just having somebody there, accountability, right? I was going to so, say I was waiting for the word, but it, it's it's a hundred percent financial accountability, and it's the you know I have a personal trainer. When I go to the gym, I know what to do, 
right? I've been an athlete my whole life. I know the, the things, the stretches, the workouts that I, I should do. But when I'm paying somebody and I need to be accountable at a certain time, and they're, they're walking me through and I have to complete all 10 sets opposed to maybe I'll just do seven if I'm by myself. The solicitation for me of having that personal trainer keeps me more accountable and it keeps me in better shape. So it's, it's, if my goal is fitness, that professional advice helps me gain a better level of, of fitness. So I would, I would think that the financial advisor is, is much in the same way. If you value being able to be more educated on your personal money management, this doesn't mean you have to pay somebody $20,000 a year to do this, right? You can find and get access and grow your financial team as you grow in wealth. Yeah. I love that example, the gym and the personal trainer, because it really, that, that is what it boils down to. You know, you, you will perform better, whether it's in the gym or financially, if you have accountability. That's and right. it doesn't have, to, doesn't have to be an authoritarian kind of figure, no, right? It's, absolutely not. Um, like you said, but, just the process of seeking advice already makes you more committed to the process. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, Vanguard found, uh, has a study. It's a very popular study. It's accessible almost anywhere on the internet today. Really measuring the value of financial advice. And this is for people who maybe you're already working with a financial professional or considering taking that next level, that next step. The value of financial advice can actually add up to about 3% in net returns to a portfolio. And it's this is done by doing a couple of different things, things like effective asset allocation, right? How often do we see portfolios by individuals managing it themselves that just have unbelievably horrible asset allocation, one of the most basic, basic fundamentals of portfolio management? And you know, rebalancing, right? So we, we, we see the disposition effect of people managing their own portfolios can be you buy a stock or you buy a fund and you're, you're saving and you're, you're doing the right thing there, but it does well for three months or six months or a year and your portfolio becomes not as diversified as it once was. So rebalancing is something that financial advisors might employ to get back to the percentages of your asset allocation that, uh, that were more in line with your goals. Yeah. Asset location. So making sure that certain investments, investments that generate income are in the right accounts. So you may want to have high dividend or things that pay a lot of interest in tax deferred accounts opposed to your taxable accounts and just understanding where your investments should be located. Little things that are going to help bring efficiencies that make a big difference over a long period of time. Again, 3% doesn't sound like a lot, but if that's the net difference in doing it on your own or doing it with some professional help, again, this is according to Vanguard, that 3% compounded over 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years is going to result in a tremendous amount of dollars and cents for you. Listen, I hope today you're walking away with some information and some practical takeaways. Say, hey, I kind of understand the financial advice landscape a little bit better. And I would employ you to do some research and understand who am I currently working with? Who am I considering working with? Ask questions. It's okay. Keep your, your financial professionals accountable so that they're being transparent and you know exactly who you're in a relationship with. And our goal with this is we want to not only make the client experience, the investor experience better, but we want to raise the bar for all financial professionals out there. 
and help you be sensible with your dollars. I knew you're going to try to say it. As soon as I said dollars and cents, I knew it was coming. Listen, thanks for tuning in again to Dollars and Sensibility Podcast. Tune in every single Friday to catch a new episode. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Sensibility Podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can join us for each and every episode. Follow us on social media at WIS Advisors and be sure to check out our website at wisadvisors.com. Tune in for the next step on the bridge between dollars and the mind of the sensible investor. Thanks for listening. Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are investment advisor representatives and registered representatives with Western International Securities Incorporated. All the opinions expressed by Andrew, Bill, and all podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Western International Securities. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Western International Securities may maintain positions discussed in this podcast.